Well, good morning, Stutzcasters. Uh, today is Saturday, the 1st of July, and uh, we're going out on a special podcast uh, today. Um, it's a little later than usual. It is, what is it, 10.47 in the morning. And uh, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> a little nervous because I we're up in the... The remote mountain countryside here, and um, I just parked up. We're up, we're on our way to go to see a uh, an 800-year-old chestnut tree, which I haven't been to before, and uh, looking forward to it. But <clears throat> this is way up in the mountains, so um, this is wild country. You probably hear in the background, the cicadas buzzing. That's about it, that's all I can hear, except for one other sound, which is the reason why I'm slightly nervous. It's grunting. Oh, can you hear that? It's a wild pig. Two wild pigs I've just seen walking across this little path here. (laughs) I hope they are friendly. Um, Because if not, I'm in trouble. They won't be friendly though, will they? They're wild pigs. Big black, I saw two big black ones and they've just gone snorting around in the uh, brush just in front of me. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna see if I can get a little bit closer. Kick this thing off with a little bit of excitement. Um, now I can hear them snorting. I can't now. They're up in this brush somewhere. (laughs) It's risky. I got my poles to protect me if they charge. They're up there. Hmm? Here come some cyclists. Yeah, you do get these mountain bikers in these parts. Just had a couple spin past me. I'm just trying to see if I can locate these big piggies. Where are you? No, you're in there. He knows I'm looking for him now. So he's probably keeping quiet. Well, okay. We shall uh, get this thing kicked off. But yeah, we're up in the... uh, Oh, here comes another uh, mountain cyclist. Very popular route with them because there's no traffic. Hola. They come spinning, spinning along these paths at quite, quite fast speeds. Oh, wait. See, just as I walk away, I hear that, that wild pig grunt again. Come on. Should I, should I go up into the brush and try and flush him out? That would be really foolhardy, wouldn't it? It'd be fun, man. I'll go up a little bit. This is really stupid, John. Don't do it. Don't hear him. I know he's probably only ten meters away from me. Can't see him because of this dense brushland. But uh, I know he's in there. And there are two of them. 
I saw what looked like to be an elderly male, uh, followed by, and, and I didn't, couldn't really tell the other one because I was just packing my rucksack up, and uh, just saw quite a chubby-looking, probably a female, black, jet black, pata negra. You know they call the uh, the good hams over here pata negra, black foot because these guys are black. Anyway, we will have to move on. Because um, we've got a long walk. I mean, I'm gonna, not going to podcast the whole thing, but uh, just to tell you, my GPS map is telling me that it's a three-hour <laughs> walk just to get there. So it's going to be a six-hour walk, plus stops. Let me just check I have this. Uh, on walking and not in the car because if three hours in the car I'm not going to make it hang on yeah yeah three hours so it's 12 kilometers each way 24 kilometer height today it's quite a bit that and it's all uphill I mean in one direction so it's 12 kilometers all uphill 12 kilometers all downhill all the way back which would be a godsend I'd be tired by then Anyway, I'll say goodbye to these piggies and I will say thank you to you for uh, joining us. Us, I'm sad to report that Rooney's not with us because, you know, if you've followed these podcasts, you know he doesn't like the car. So I can't take him with us. Um, But he's here in spirit. He's back at home, sunning himself on the terrace. Um, and, And I'm out here alone. Well, I'm not quite alone but it's just me. So, what an adventure we've got coming up. I'll try and tell you all about this countryside. But first of all, thank you for joining us. And um, we'll move from the intro into the main body. So here we go. Okay. Right, intro is done, and I'm going to try and just put my phone into a little pocket in my rucksack so I don't have to hold it. Hopefully you can still hear me. Right, I've got my hands free from my poles. comes another cyclist. Saturday morning, I guess, is a popular time for cycling. Why not? Gosh, they must be going. 20 miles an hour. Okay. Well, I am going to start. Gosh, it really is very popular, this route, the cyclists. Yeah. Buenos dias. They go out in their groups of, oh, there's, I suppose they're clubs. You know, tens, fives and tens. Oh, anything. You can get more than that, but... It's because it's a very mountainous route, and they love it with their mountain bikes. Hola. But for me, like the rest of Farians, my feet is my only carriage, as Bob Marley would say. <laughs> Getting his grammar, you know, West Indianized, which is much, uh, much cooler, isn't it? My feet is my only carriage. So we're off into the mountains 
It's a dusty sort of brown path, sort of scattered with rocks. And what is it, five minutes to 11 now? Gosh. So if I suppose if I don't stop, I'll be at the Castaño Santo. Can you hear that cicada to my left? Just spots up there. But I'll be at the Castaño Santo. Uh, 11, maybe at two o'clock. Back, back at the car by five. God. Well, it's an adventure. Let's hope we make it. I feel like I'm missing a limb without my dog Rooney by my side. But to be honest, he's got a little bit uh, lazy in his uh, elderly years. He's not elderly, he's only eight. But I have noticed he lags a bit when it's hot. <laughs> Don't really blame him. But yeah. So I've had to leave my car on the side of this sort of dusty track. Um, pray to any kind of ladron or thief that wants to smash the window and break into it. There's nothing to steal in it, so hopefully they might think it's just not worth it. But uh, that is a that is a problem in some of these parts because they know if they see a car parked up on these mountain roads and they don't see anybody anywhere nearby they know that you're probably well, can you hear the noise these bicycles make as they go past they know that you're not within any distance of being at risk of getting back in time the time it takes them to smash the window and sort of rustle around in your car for anything that they might want to steal but hopefully not here it's, it's, that tends to happen near the golf clubs and things where you know, people have got stuff that's maybe a little bit more worthwhile taking a risk maybe so we've left left the car hopefully it'll be there one piece when we get back 5 o'clock this afternoon or thereabouts so, why am I, this is all uphill by the way, so if there's going to be panting, I apologise. But why am I going on this long hike, six hour hike, on a Saturday alone? You say, well, what about Christina? Well, that is the reason. She has flown to London to help Maya, our daughter, move. She's changing digs. She's been in her current uh, accommodation for a year. The contract's up. And uh, so she's moving. And um, she's got a few boxes and things. So Christina, like the best mum in the world that she is, has gone back to help her with all that. Which, uh, you ask, well, why didn't you go, John, too? Aren't you the best dad in the world? Well, <laughs> that's not the issue. The issue is Rooney. Someone has to stay here and look after Roo. So even though he's not with me today, he's had his walk 
Oh yeah, we've already been out for like a three kilometer walk. Uh, no, not quite that long, two and three quarter kilometer walk. That was early this morning. So he's had a good walk. And he's relaxed, he's got his food, he's got his water on the terrace, whole house to himself. You're right. So, oh, I should have told my watch. One second. Last. I've got one of these fancy watches that tells you how far you've been. It's kind of useful to know. <laughs> should have started that. Probably gone half a kilometre since, since the beginning. Oh, well, we'll factor that in. Okay. Well, what can I tell you about this area here? It's, it's absolutely you know, picturesque. It really is. Um, I'm looking across two valleys, three valleys, and there's a mass of pine trees and evergreens. It's not all dried out. As I've, I think I've said before, you, you imagine it would be. But, because uh, we've had very little rain. But this vegetation is, you know, it's, 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 it's used to the dry. And it's uh, adapted to this kind of temperature, this kind of terrain. So it looks really beautiful. And I can probably see, oh gosh, from this point, I'm guessing I can see 25 maybe more, 30 kilometers ahead. Is it to my left actually? Ahead is just a straight up hill. You can probably tell by my panting. But yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. And uh, the sky is, actually there are a few clouds. It's just a little, it's been incredibly hot the last few days. 35 degrees Celsius, so really hot and you do get sometimes you get heat haze when it's been that hot for a while which is what we've got today um but there are actually there weren't yesterday but there are one or two clouds around there's a wood pigeon beneath me i'm quite high already um and we're gonna get higher and uh there is, we're going to come up to it in a minute. There is an old farmhouse. You know, it's still about uh, a kilometre away, but I can see it. And uh, I've walked this part of this trail before. And you think, oh, it must be abandoned in this modern era. You know, it must, must be from a bygone age. But no, it isn't. Because there are two doggies. Uh, Big St Bernard and some other kind of mutt that uh, they're out on, in, in, in the sort of fenced off area around the building. So somebody's feeding them and giving them water. I haven't actually seen any farmers or, or human beings, but there's evidence of humanity. And uh, I guess he's probably farming goats or something. There's no, there's no crops I don't think you could grow up here except for perhaps olives. 
and oranges and stuff in the trees, but not in the ground. Well, obviously trees are in the ground, but you know what I mean. And that's it. You know, except for these mountain bikers that you've heard already, and I'm sure we'll hear plenty more. Um, not a soul. And not even any birds in the sky. Which is a shame, because I always like to watch them. But there's no wind. And uh, the birds of prey like to use the wind to minimise the amount of effort they've got to expend on staying up in the air. So until they get some thermals or some gusts, I don't think we'll see any of those guys. But you do. Only last night when I was taking Rooney for his last walk of the day. Um, quite interesting. I came across two kestrels. Really pretty. They've got that sort of deeper brown on the upper side of their wings because actually they were probably high, uh, quite high in the mountains then. And so I could see the top side of their uh, wings as they sort of darted around and then went above me and I could see their underbellies. They're very, very pretty and and a very sort of uh, fast flight. And I was looking up, watching them. And, and then I noticed above these two kestrels was a big bird. I think it was an eagle. You know, one of those booted eagles. Um, and as you, as you often see, the big eagle was being buzzed by a little bird, I don't know what it was, but it's obviously some little aggressive, little aggressive guy thought, get out of my territory, you big oaf, and threaten my family. So, there was a little bit of different sizes of birds all up in the air at the same time, all kind of interacting. And the kestrels were, I don't know whether some sort of mating dance or what they were doing, but they were kind of flying right close to each other and twisting over and then righting themselves and uh, they looked to be having fun and it looked like the big eagle was keeping an eye on them see if they caught anything she was probably going to steal from them if they, if they did and a little tiny sparrow or whatever it was he was buzzing the big eagle must be courageous little guy Ah, a little bit flatter here. Now there's just a touch of breeze. Thank God, because I'm already beginning to sweat. Yeah, so Christine's gone away for a few days. So I thought I'd use the time productively to actually get to this tree, the Castaño Santo, which people have told me about. And I'm intrigued. You can't get to it really by cut. Well, you, I suppose you could if you had a, you know, strong four-wheel drive and, a, <laughs> and an adventurous spirit. You could bring a car up here. Um, but generally speaking, you can't get by car. You have to walk or go by bike. Um, and I heard about it. For the first time I heard about it. Uh, 
I was walking up along here with Christina. Oh, it must have been about, uh, well, in spring, I guess it was about two months ago, or thereabouts. And um, one of these uh, cyclists was spinning down here, all in that sort of gear and everything, helmets and, and uh, vests and shorts and things. And he slows right down, he goes, hola. <laughs> I thought, well, hola. <laughs> you know? And he says, get up. <laughs> Looking at this guy, he's got, you know, dark, reflective sunglasses, a helmet. I can't, I can't tell who it was, but I go, muy bien, gracias, you too. And he says, and then he goes, John, it's Flan. I go, oh, and it was our head gardener from uh, the village that we live in. He's a keen, I knew he was a keen cyclist, but I didn't think I'd see him out. And he was out here with his friends, going on a long, long bicycle ride. And he said, um, have you been on this walk before? I said, no. He said, well, he said, uh, you keep going on this path, it's a long way, but there's a big chestnut tree, famous chestnut tree. It's, it's supposed to be the oldest chestnut tree in Malaga province. And uh, he said, and I've, I've looked this up on Wikipedia since, and it is, they believe, like eight, nine hundred years old. <laughs> and um, he was telling me that it's so big. Oh, there's that dog. See, we're getting close to that farm now. Can you hear barking? He's seen me. <laughs> Hello. He's still four, three or four hundred meters away. Let's hope he's uh, chained up or something. <laughs> um, yeah, so he said, it's so wide, you know, thick girth that if you get 12 people all holding hands, that's how many you need to actually encircle it to get around the circumference of the tree. So it must be big. Well, we will see. Hopefully, I'll be able to tell you about that if I, if I make it. But I'm not going to podcast for three hours. Hello. Yeah, that's, that's the big St. Bernard. He's just sitting in the shade barking at me. Yeah, it's just a broken down, tumble, tumble down sort of place. There is a building that looks like it was whitewashed in the 1950s or something. It's all sort of grey now. Hello, are you free or are you on a chain? No, he's not on a chain. I think there's a fence. Oh, oh. Hello. Where's your friend? Where's your buddy? Oh, here he is. Hello. The two of you. Hello, doggies. Hello. That's the St. Bernard. Oh, gosh, you've got a big growth on your tummy. Oh, oh, oh it's not growth. Oh, I think you oh. must have just had puppies. Oh. <laughs> Good grief. Where are your puppies then? Hello. It's all right. This is a sort of a, a tan, short-haired dog of medium build, smaller than Rooney. And the St. Bernard is obviously a big dog. She's the female, he's the male. God knows what your puppies look like. <laughs> Extraordinary, I should think. Ah. Right, well, I'm moving on because I don't want to disturb, but yeah, there's a, a building that looks like it's got a water tank feeding water to it. The chimney, they must have fire. It's 
very small. Sort of lean to on the outside, that must be the toilet. Yeah, medieval style living in 2023. Extraordinary. But there you go. Ah, oh, I'm getting hot. I may have to take my glasses off because I'm beginning to steam up and sweat. I can still see reasonably well without them. <clears throat> oh, it is hot, but this is so pleasurable, pleasant. It really is. You, you, you imagine that Spain would be you know, when you think about, in fact, we did this yesterday. When you think about this, this district or this region, you think of Malaga and Malaga Airport, if you've ever been, and then places, <clears throat> excuse me, like Torremolinos. <laughs> and that probably conjures up the wrong image in your mind. So, well, yeah, of course that exists. Um, but, but put that image aside and think about wild country <clears throat> with absolutely picturesque scenery around you. It's, it's bucolic is the word. <laughs> bucolic is the word my mother used to use. And I, at the time, I used to think it's something to do with alcoholic. But no, it's not, it's not what it means. <laughs> it is bucolic around here. And uh, the pass is quite good. Not too many loose stones, so we're going at a reasonable pace. Uh, I'll tell you what pace we're going. Got it on my watch. About five kilometers an hour. Uh, well, if we're going that fast, it can't be right. Sorry, 448. 448 kilometers an hour. I was going to say, if we're going five kilometers, we'll be there in two hours just over. Um, And there's a little bit of sort of patching of sun and shade, which is quite good because just walking out in, you know, unbroken sunshine all day is going to be quite a struggle. Can you hear those cicadas? You've got that sort of continuous, they're like a sort of little percussion uh, group in an orchestra, aren't they? You've got one cicada just doing a continuous beat and the other one doing an intermittent beat. Can you hear this guy? Yep, just stopping as we go past. <laughs> oh gosh, and this tree is shedding leaves. But a bit of breezes that kicked up and it's just blowing leaves into my face. Oh, I like this. That's a eucalyptus tree. I like those very much. Um, okay, right now, now having said, you know, I've got shade, I haven't. This particular stretch, it's uh, sun beating down on my back, it's behind me. This path is twisting and turning. So sometimes I'm walking into the sun, Sometimes I'm walking away from the sun. Ah, now from here, I can see in the distance 
Well, as the crow flies, it's probably like six or seven kilometers away. But I can see some of the houses in El Madronial. So we're, you know, we're a couple of valleys across from there. But they seem so far away. I mean, if you, if you were to try and walk it in a straight line, you'd have to go down and up, down and up. It'd be mountaineering. It'd be hard going. But if you were a bird, well, you'd be there in five minutes. <laughs> So, what has been going on in the world from, from the Stutzcast perspective? Well, plenty. Oh, visitors, <laughs> you'd be thinking, if you've listened to a few of these recently, you'd be thinking, you have nothing but visitors. That, that seems to be true, actually, for the last few weeks, anyway. Um, Marianne Goodell has been with us from America, and her friend Joe. That's female, Joe. Um, they were with us for a few days. Ooh. I hear another snort. Oh no, it's a mountain biker. Um, you probably hear that. Sometimes you get these motorized mountain trail bikes, they're called, don't they? Sometimes they come up here. Um, yeah, so we had them over from the States. I actually rented a house in the village that we live in, which was nice. And uh, it was lovely. I mean, God, we went out every night, right, four nights in a row. Well, nobody got out every night, but we sort of had entertainment every night. We went out twice and we stayed in twice. But when we stayed in, we cooked and we drank plenty of wine. And I uh, thought my liver was going to surrender. So last night, when Christina had gone, and uh, I was just in with Rooney on our own. I had a sort of like a ready-made chicken curry and gallons of Aquarius and no alcohol and a couple of slices of carrot cake. That did me just what I wanted. I woke up feeling clear-headed and ready for an adventure. Sometimes you need that. Oh, it's great fun, you know, socialising and entertaining and all that. But occasionally, like everything else in life, everything in moderation. <laughs> or as Oscar Wilde famously said, everything in moderation, including moderation. <laughs> oh, here come some mountain bikers. Cool, that go fast. If one of those hit me, I would be taken out, probably and hospitalised for six months. Speed there, going. Oh, because it's well for them, it's all downhill. For me, it's all uphill. Don't know how they get to their start points. I think they might have some sort of vehicle. I think this. Oh, I know this road goes all the way to Ronda, which is a famous mountain town and I think you can sort of take a car up there, drop your cyclists off or all these cars that can transport bicycles and then they just cycle a freewheel down here it's got to be 30 kilometres or more all the way to Ronda it must be fun if you've got good brakes 
So far, I'm still in familiar territory. Oh, here comes a couple more. Hola, it's Fran. That was Fran. <laughs> he didn't realise it was me. As I had gardener again, you see. I tell you, the world's a small place. I gotta ask him how to get to the beginning of where he starts from. Yeah, recognize them this time because I know his outfit. Didn't last time, this time he didn't recognize me because I'm not with Christina. <laughs> Plus, he was going too fast to stop. Wow. Yeah, so this is still familiar to me, but soon I'm going to get to a part that I haven't done before. I'm looking forward to that. Better check my uh, my GPS. Make sure that I'm still going in the right direction. Why not? I think I'm going the right direction. But uh, okay. So what I'll do? I'm just going to find some shape. And what I'll do is I will pause. The recording for a little bit and I'll come back to you in a few more kilometers uh, and tell you how progress is going. Oh, I've got to get my phone out of the backpack and uh, excuse me, oh, probably interference with the microphone there as I'm unclipping. There we go. Have a refreshment, turn the phone off, and we'll, we'll catch up. You hear that? That is a green finch. <laughs> Needs to change. Usually, just get blackbirds. Well, okay, it is now 7.19 in the morning of um, Sunday, the 2nd of July. So what happened to the rest of yesterday? <laughs> well, what happened was, um, I ended up realized that my um, microphone ran out of battery so we're now just recording directly into the phone without a microphone which probably doesn't sound quite as good so apologies for that but it's better than uh, having no microphone at all 
So yes, uh, there may be a gap in between um, what you last heard and what you're hearing now. So I'll try and edit that when I, uh, before I publish this podcast. But yes, what happened was I ended up virtually crippling myself um, with too long a walk. Uh, it ended up being 28 kilometers in total, which is 18 miles, which is uh, quite, quite a long walk, especially if you're not really you know, um, trained up for that. <laughs> and the reason I was, I was doing it, well, I was doing it for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons I was doing such a long walk was because um, I signed up to go on the Camino de Santiago again, but this time with a group of university friends of mine that I haven't really seen for 40 years. But uh, John Pugmore, who was a great friend of both of ours, Christian and I, he got in touch and he said, uh, hey John, I'm thinking of doing the Camino de Santiago with a few old university buddies, do you want to come along? I said, yes, of course, sure. Um, and we're going to do like 13, uh, I think it's 13 hiking days. Uh, and each day is about 30 kilometers. So I thought, okay, let's try out 30 kilometers or thereabouts. <laughs> and, uh, uh, haven't really been training up for that. You know, my, my hike's usually two, two and a half hours, something like that. And uh, this is seven hours. So yeah, and in the extreme heat, when um, on the way back it was, you know, well, yeah, in the sun, easily 40 degrees. Um, So that uh, stressed the old, gave the system a a test, didn't it? (laughs) And I realized when I looked at my distance that I'd covered, you know, I'd covered um, 15 kilometers before I started to head back. So I'd been crashing around in the sort of jungle looking for this uh, holy chestnut tree and sort of adding kilometers. <laughs> so, you know, I was more than halfway um, when I was headed back. So I'd, I knew that I wasn't quite going to have to do the full 30, but it wasn't far off. It was 28 kilometers. Um, and uh, I was imagining that I would find something a little bit more significant than what the, the tree that I did find, which I don't think was the right one. But uh, but I, I, I started to, well, I thought, okay, I'm in a bit of trouble now because it's a long way home and uh, it's very, very hot and I'm already tired. Don't eat that, Ruth. Already tired. So... Um, I thought I'd, I'd give myself a target. I'll, I'll head back, um, but I won't stop for two, three kilometers because otherwise I'm never going to make it. You know, if I keep stopping, and you get into a sort of rhythm when you're hiking. You know, you're breathing in time with your poles going down, and and uh, you realise that if you keep going, um, it's actually, funnily enough less tiring than if you keep stopping because every time you restart your system sort of starts to have to get back up to speed again and you start sweating and so anyway I didn't stop after two or three kilometers I I left it until 10 kilometers 
doing a really solid march, but I started to feel dizzy. I thought, oh, I think I might faint. So I, I stopped. I was looking for this um, landmark that I knew uh, represented about uh, only another three and a half kilometres until the car. So I thought I'd get to that and then I'll uh, you know, have a proper rest um, because there's nowhere where you could actually sit down and take your shoes and socks off, which is a sort of hiking thing. But, you know, on a really hot day, if you're sweating a lot and you're getting very, very tired, you need to sit down, take your shoes and socks off, air your feet and, and dry your socks. So I found it eventually and uh, lay down and took a little rest and uh, drank some fluids and ate um, the rest of my watermelon, which was a damn good idea to take that. Uh, started to feel a bit more human, but one thing I hadn't uh, pl- sort of anticipated was, <laughs> sorry to be crude, but was the um, amount of chafing stress that I was <laughs> feeling. I hadn't felt it until I stopped, but when I sort of tried to restart, Ooh, very raw in the, you know, in the, in the thigh. Oh, God, it hurt. So I thought, well, I can't just sort of walk, walk home like this. So I, um, I, just, I, I knew I had some ointment so, in my rucksack, so I thought, well, I'll put some of that on. And bearing in mind, the whole 10 kilometres that, that I'd just done, I hadn't seen a soul or passed a soul uh, so I thought oh, I'm safe just to you know, put this on <laughs> so there I was you know in a state of extreme vulnerability applying some cream and along came this four wheel drive god and uh, caught me unawares so anyway I managed to preserve modicum of decency and get it together before the car actually sort of caught right up with me but uh, <laughs> that's typical isn't it, Murphy's Law if it can go wrong it will um, anyway the walk uh, ended um, without incident really and uh, I got myself uh, back to the um to the car and then made a uh, sort of beeline for the supermarket and bought myself gallons and gallons of uh, electrolyte drinks and uh, took me actually I mean I, I got home what, about 7.30 showered up, cleaned up and uh, it took me till about 10 o'clock at night before I actually felt rehydrated again <laughs> really sort of stressed the system it's tough but yeah, sorry, I was, I was not sure if I got this on this re-recording, but yes, um, so a friend of mine, John Pugmore, has decided that, uh, you know, we're going to get a gang of people from university to do 13 days on the Camino de Santiago. Each day is going to be around about 30 kilometres, so <clears throat> that's one of the reasons I was training myself up. 30 kilometres is a tough walk. Um, once you get into so training, it's not too bad. But um, 
you know, to begin with, it, there is pain. <laughs> Especially if it's that hot, which it won't be. It's, this is March in the northern part of Spain. But I wanted to just uh, get myself back into that sort of shape. And uh, even though that's a long way off, I'll do some sort of hike each week and just make sure I, I'm, I'm okay. But uh, that was the walk, the hike. It's a bit silly doing it on my own because, <laughs> I mean, I am 60 years old now and I suppose I could have had some sort of incident. <laughs> that would have been it. No one would have found me, probably, until too late. But anyway, it's good to be back on the normal walk with Rooney in, uh, in less extreme uh, uh, environment. Isn't it, Roo? Well, he's gone wandering off. So what I did when I got home was I, because uh, I'd been out all day, I hadn't seen the uh, the Austrian Grand Prix sprint day. Now they have these sprint races before the final Grand Prix, which is like sort of half the number of laps. And uh, but because we've uh, subscribed to. D-A-Z-N, I don't know how you pronounce that, Dazen. Um, I had it, the opportunity to watch it, and uh, it was entertaining. Really, the battle in all the other positions besides first, because the battle for first position besides the first sort of 10 seconds when uh, Checo Perez, his teammate, Red Bull teammate, nearly, well, did overtake uh, Max Verstappen. And he was baby about it and started complaining. And, and even after he'd won the race at the end, was, you know, he was just sort of going on about the fact that uh, his teammate had overtaken him. It's like, well, it's a competition. <laughs> You've got to let people you understand that people are going to try and overtake you, not just let you win because you're Max Verstappen. Anyway, sorry, I've been digressing into Formula One again. Um, but yeah, I, I watched that smarting on the sofa. Rooney was looking at me like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> and uh, also had a nice uh, telephone conversation with Maya and Christina who were driving over to uh, Ormus to see her. And it was lovely. I'll tell you one thing that was quite funny. I, uh, when I went to the um, supermarket to buy the drinks, because I was terribly dehydrated, um, I came across a lady in there called Kat, Katrina. Uh, and, you know, she knows me quite well. She lives in the same village. And she was just... Um, using this sort of orange squeezing machine to fill herself up a bottle of freshly squeezed orange. And I walked in there, I said, hi, cat. She looked at me, sort of stared and sort of frowned a bit. And then she said, is that you, John? And I said, yes, of course it is. She said, well, well I didn't recognize you because I, I looked and I thought, who's this surfer dude? saying hello to me and I sort of, I, I'd sort of forgotten that I'd grown a beard <laughs> and I had 
sunglasses on and a hat from the walk. And I must have looked like a completely different person. <laughs> she said, God, you're unrecognisable. So if you, if you haven't seen me for a while, be prepared for a shock. <laughs> Bearded weirdy now. But you don't care, do you, Runes? He's back with me now. So, yeah, and I went to bed and listened to the news. It's all kicking off in France now. You know, we've had this sort of uh, mini uprising, if you call it that, in the last two days, um, in Russia, and now we've got a sort of major civil unrest in France. Because of the shooting of this poor teenage boy at a traffic stop. I mean, why are the police shooting people for traffic offences? I don't really understand. And, and, and the French police union are sort of uh, angry about how quickly Macron and his government uh, were, how quick they were to condemn the shooting. <laughs> they think, well, what are they supposed to do? So, well done. I think it's when you get older, you think the world's getting worse. I think it's always been this bad. We just, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we get, well, and we get fed more bad news. And, and the BBC, you know, have been criticised for sort of force-feeding bad news down their news channels. Oh, here comes. Um, and, and their response has been not to sort of give more balanced news uh, generally. Their response has been to create one podcast a week called The Happy Cast. I mean, it's about, about as condescending as you can get. We're going to have a happy cast and just just give you happy new news bulletins. So no, that's not the answer. Not for me anyway. The answer is just generally, when you're always giving the news, balance it out. And don't just focus. Find other things, like The Economist does. Find other things to report on that aren't sensationalist and, and bad news. Oh, I don't know why I'm going on about this. It's a lost cause, isn't it? But, uh, but there you go. So, I think... I've, got, I've lost track of this uh, podcast now with it being over two days and with the microphone fading I think it may be one that I can't publish but uh, let's hope so I mean let's hope that it is one I can publish uh, so I think what we'll do is we'll move, m- move into the clothes now shall we Rue? Rue? sniffing around doesn't care alright we're going to the clothes Sunday morning. It's now 7.52. And, uh, oh, there's a collared dove. Can you hear him? No, you probably can't on this microphone. But it is so tranquil. It's so peaceful here. There's not even any, sort of, yet, there's not even any traffic on the roads. You usually get the Sunday motorcyclists roaring up the road, but there's nothing. And it's, you know, moments like these... And you think, 
it's so peaceful, it's still, it's warm. There isn't any wind, no traffic. All I can hear is just birds singing. And you think, there's so much trouble in the world. And it's all of it so unnecessary. We can't avoid things like earthquakes and hurricanes, can we? But the things that, you know, we're responsible for as a, as a human race, it's unforgivable. Unforgivable. We're the only species in the world that creates this much destruction and damage. <laughs> and you think to yourself, why? Why do we do it? You know, we're sort of almost terminally geared to ultimately destroy ourselves. And, and you walk around in this kind of beautiful, peaceful environment and you think, we've been given this. And what do we do? Well, I mean, the people that are here hopefully are enjoying it and, and you know, treasuring it. But, but, you know, this is pause for thought when I hear about, you know, the French tearing themselves apart. Really, because it's, I think, <clears throat> the cause, what ignited it, the catalyst, was, you know, totally wrong. And yes, an injustice needs to be righted, but you don't right an injustice by taking to the streets and setting fire to shopping malls and schools and destroying cars. And you know, you're you're just attacking the innocent. <laughs> anyway, sorry, got on my setbox for a second there. That was unintentional, but uh, no, it is um, time to thank you for. For listening to this podcast, I, I don't know if this one's going to be at all entertaining. I hope it is. But thank you for listening if you made it this far. And, uh, and we'll talk again soon.